everyone, my name is Danny. I'm the campus pastor here at Hope Ames, and that means I also get to be a part of Kairos, and I want to welcome you to our third week of this series called Isolated. We're asking the question, how can I grow in my faith even when I'm not where I want to be? Tonight, we're specifically asking about loneliness. Have you been feeling lonely lately, especially during this pandemic? I noticed that when we're lonely, a couple of different fears and anxieties come out. Um, some of them are kind of funny. For example, sometimes when we're alone, our biggest fear is that we're not actually alone. It's when you're walking through an empty house in the middle of the night and you see your reflection in the window, except you don't think it's you. You think someone's come to get you and you freak out. You are alone, but you're afraid that you're not. There's other fears that come up when we're feeling alone. Uh, there's the fear that we will always be alone. This can be a pretty serious one, but it doesn't always have to be. You ever been in the doctor's office after the nurse has left and you're waiting for the doctor to come in and that wait feels like it's taking forever? You're sitting there and thinking, what in the world could this doctor be doing? Helping people? Yes, probably, but when you're the one waiting in that room, you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about being alone and you think no one is coming back for you. In fact, you've become so convinced that you'll be alone forever that you've become infatuated with the entire room around you. You start reading those posters on the wall, those doctor's posters, you know what I'm talking about. And by the time the doctor does come in, you are staring way too closely at that poster about digestive disorders. And the doctor looks at you in a funny way and says, so how can I help you? What do you do when you're lonely? I wanna to get to that tonight, but first I wanna take a step back. And I wanna ask the question, does God get lonely? What does God do? when he's alone? I do think that if we look into this question, it can help us with our loneliness. It's a week called Holy Week. These are the days that lead up to Easter when we celebrate Jesus's resurrection from the dead. But before we get there, we remember that Jesus was dead. He died. He was on a cross. And what happened when he was on that cross? Well, in Mark chapter 15, it says this. It says that Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Can I paraphrase that? Jesus is asking, God, why am I alone? It's a shocking statement, isn't it? That God in the flesh, Jesus Christ would say, I'm alone right now. But he doesn't just say it. It says he calls it out in a loud voice, but in the original Greek, that literally translates into crying, screaming, shrieking in agony. And it's shocking to everyone. Maybe first time readers, they read this and like, my goodness, Jesus finally cracked. He broke down. Think about how calm Jesus was up to this point. This is the guy you want to hang out with. He's so calm, cool, and collected at every party. He's turning water into wine. Right before he's arrested, one of his disciples cuts the ear off of a guard, and Jesus, keeping himself together, takes the ear, puts it back on the guy's head. He says, all right, arrest me. And when he's on trial, he knows he's going to be killed, but he stays silent. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. But now he's screaming. And maybe people are wondering if Jesus has given up on God. This is also surprising to people who are really skeptical about this whole Bible thing and 
all about Jesus. Even the most skeptical readers, writers, teachers, they will say about this, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that event definitely happened. Because nobody who's trying to start a religion and trying to put this hero out there as the savior of the world would write this about him. They wouldn't show him crying, certainly wouldn't show him shrieking, and they wouldn't say that he's alone. Heroes die. Heroes definitely die because look at the movies. But look at what happens before the heroes die in movies. I mean, they have that speech. They're appreciated. You know, they go valiantly into the fight. Jesus doesn't have a story like that. It doesn't sound very heroic. It sounds very despondent. It's full of agony. He is crying, he is screaming, he is shrieking. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even the writer of this text seems shocked by it. See, Mark, he wrote in Greek, like other New Testament biblical writers. He wrote in Greek, Jesus spoke in Aramaic, but Mark wrote about it in Greek. Except for here, he says, Jesus said in the Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani. Mark could not get that shriek out of his head and he had to write it down just as he heard it because it was shocking. God is saying, I'm alone. He's crying. What makes him cry? What makes his heart hurt so much? Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, oh, my hands, these spikes are just destroying me. My feet, what's happening? Oh, my head, this, this crown of thorns. He doesn't say my hands. He doesn't say my feet. He doesn't say my head. He also doesn't say, oh, my people. Because he's also not, he's, it's not just the physical pain, but it's also not just the physical presence of people that he's missing. I mean, look at this. Mark chapter 15, just before this, it says about the setting. Mark chapter 15, starting in verse 29, the people passing by shouted abuse. Jesus is surrounded by people. They're shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now. The leading priests and teachers of religious law, they mocked him too. They said he saved others, but he can't save himself. Jesus is alone, but it's not because he's actually physically, literally lonely. We all know this. You can be in a crowd of people and feel completely alone. Maybe we're especially noticing that in this pandemic, but maybe you were feeling it well before. But uh, there's also some people who aren't there that might be surprising. Maybe we say, well, that's why Jesus is feeling lonely because Jesus' friends have left him. Out of Jesus' disciples, only one has shown up. Only a couple other of his friends, some of the women who were around, they showed up to the death, to the execution. The rest of them abandoned him. But Jesus doesn't cry out, my friends, my friends. No, he cries out, my God, my God. Here's the thing, we, we can lose a lot of stuff in this world and it hurts. Perhaps more than anything, there are all sorts of loves that we can lose. Either they're taken from us, they slip away or they leave. And their absent pre absence presents all sorts of pain. But there's only one being whose absence equates to non-existence. Jesus cries out, my God, my God. 
when we are feeling lonely, we find out who or what our God is. When Jesus was feeling lonely, we know who his God was because of what he cries, because of what he shrieks. My God. That's what he lost. And why is that important? Jesus says this about him in John chapter 1, verse 18. He says, no one's ever seen God except for the unique one who is himself God. He's near to the Father's heart and he's revealed God to us. You know, the closer a love is to you, the more intense that love is. When it's gone, the more that it hurts. But in John chapter 1, it's telling us that even the most passionate, loving romance in the history of the universe isn't even a raindrop in the ocean compared to the relationship that Jesus the Son had with his Father. They're so intertwined. They're not just physically close. Their souls are weaved together. They're one. It's saying, if you see Christ, you see God. If you see the Son, you see the Father. That's how close they are. That's how intense the love is. That's how passionate it is. He had it forever. I mean, God, he's the infinite God. This was a love that Jesus had been experiencing forever. Maybe sometimes we say, oh, well, it's, you know, that love couldn't have been that intense because it, wasn't, it didn't last for that long. How could you be so sad about losing that boyfriend or girlfriend? You only dated them for a month. Jesus had been with the Father for all of eternity. That's why he cries. That's why he shrieks. That's what he lost. That's the love. And he's screaming to his God, He's screaming to his father, without you, I don't exist. And so darkness falls on him. You ever been afraid of the dark? I know, like maybe we say only kids are afraid of the dark, but no, seriously, you ever get afraid of the dark? You have those fears and those anxieties come out then? If you're like me, And I don't know if this is weird, but it's just something I do. Every night before I go to bed, I'm in my doorway. And the last thing I do is I flip the light switch on. And then I turn it off. And then I run to the bed and I get on it. It's not because I'm afraid of the dark. I'm not afraid of the dark. But at the same time, I mean, I want to make sure I know the truth about the room before the darkness takes over. Why did darkness show up when Jesus was dying? It says it right here in Mark chapter 15. At noon, middle of the day, darkness fell across the whole land. It's middle of the day, and darkness landed. Darkness, it's the opposite of light. And what does light provide? Well, in the same way that in my room, light provides truth and gives me assurance in that room of, okay, there's no boogie monsters in here. Light, it brings us life, and it reveals the truth. And the darkness is the absence of that light. Think about what our physical source of existence is here on earth. It's the sun. It gives us life and it gives us truth. I mean, how would we know the truth if we only knew darkness? People could say all sorts of things, but we wouldn't see it. We wouldn't know it. Have you seen that show, Love is Blind? Let's talk about Love is Blind for a second. It's a show that's on Netflix. And there's these people, they sit in pods. 
In the pods, it's separated into two. And these two people, they talk with one another. And they're supposed to fall in love. And if they fall in love enough, just through their voices, one of them can propose to the other. But they don't see each other. Love is blind, they say. But they can propose just by hearing their voice. And then there's this moment where if they propose, they're about to meet each other. And then right before they're about to meet each other and see each other in the light for the first time, they're like terrified. And why? Because the light is about to expose the truth in a very superficial way, might I add. Very superficial way. But they're scared because they're worried about what they didn't actually know because the darkness covered it. Now, there's a truth and there's a life that's way, way, I mean, infinitely deeper than that. Here's what it says about uh, darkness in the Old Testament. In Amos, it says, I will make the, in that day, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth while it is still day. The context of that passage in Amos is God is declaring his judgment over the world because people are walking spiritually through the world as if there's no sun. Spiritual existence starts to go away because we've lost the real source of life and truth. Darkness comes over the scene and the setting just as it was prophesied to happen when Jesus is dying. But it's more than physical. In the same way that Christ's pain was much more than physical, it's spiritual. It's supernatural. God is the source of true life. God is the source of real truth. And Christ was left without it. That's what he's losing in the darkness. That tells us something about judgment, doesn't it? Judgment is not something that God just puts on people and chooses ahead of time who's in and who's out in a prejudiced sort of way. Judgment, I mean, in its simplest form is God just revealing the results of what's already happened. It's not God choosing who's in and who's out ahead of time. It's it's just simply acknowledging that people have been walking through this life without the source of life. Jesus says in John chapter 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The way to the Father is through me. He is the way, he is the truth, he declares. And yet darkness is falling on him. It says darkness covered the whole earth. And so we're like, oh, well, it's judgment over the entire earth. But who's dying? Who's being executed? It's Christ. And as Jesus is screaming why, now I'm asking why. Why? Why? God, why? Why, why did you f- abandon him? Why did you forsake him? You know, I think that we find our answer when we unpack what Jesus is saying when he says, my God, my God. Jesus is losing the source of existence. He's losing the source of life. And he's losing the source of truth. But he has the presence of mind to quote scripture. Psalm 22, see if this sounds familiar. King David wrote this a long time ago. He writes, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It's word for word what Jesus is saying. David wrote, 
long, long before Jesus lived. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? But he doesn't stop there. He continues. He says, my enemies surround me. They open their jaws against me. My life is poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. I can count my bones. My enemies stare at me and they gloat. David is saying, I feel very lonely. I feel like everyone's against me. He's describing an execution. But David was never executed. And on the cross, I believe that Jesus is saying, David was pointing to me. It all points to me. I am the one who would be abandoned. I am the one who would be forgotten. I am the one who would be left utterly alone. Why? Why? Have you found yourself asking that question lately? Why? I've asked the question why so many times. Just last fall, I found myself in a very sad moment. One of the saddest moments of my life, and I'm asking God, why? Why is this happening? And look, I'm a, I'm a minister. I study the Bible every single day. I know that there are some things that I'll ask why to that I don't get the answer for, but I'm still asking it. I think one of the things that bothers me every now and then that comes from the mouths of Christians is they say, don't ask why, just trust God. Don't ask why, Jesus asked why. I'm sitting here and I'm asking why. And the fact of the matter is, this side of heaven, there will be some questions that I'm asking why about and I just won't get the answer to. But when Jesus is on the cross, he's quoting scripture, he's screaming why, but he already knows the what. He's quoting scripture and it seems like the most hopeless thing in the world he could say, but read on in that Psalm that he's quoting. He knew how that psalm finished. Jesus, I wonder if he meditated on this on the cross. You've forsaken me, you've abandoned me, but I will praise you in the great, in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Jesus cries out why, but he already knows the what already knows what's going to happen. Why does evil exist? Why do bad things happen? Why does sickness come around? Why do pandemics happen? I don't have the answer why. Frankly, I think if people try to provide the answer why, it's a little shallow and it's a little heartless. But even though we don't know why it is, why do bad things happen? I don't know. But I do know why it can't be. It cannot be that he doesn't love me. And it cannot be that he doesn't love you. Why does Jesus shriek on the cross? Why does Jesus go to the cross? Why does he die? So that we could eat and be satisfied. Why? You. It's us. He died for you. God, God sees our loneliness. And sometimes when the fear in our loneliness is, I'm afraid that I'll always be alone. God promises I won't leave you alone. 
He's so serious about that. He'll do whatever it takes, even if it means God himself becoming lonely. It's Holy Week. We remember what Christ did for us. We remember his sacrifice. We remember how it happened, how it didn't seem heroic at all, and yet somehow it ends up being the greatest victory in the history of the universe. I invite you to open your heart to see that the clouds were above us and Christ took it all. I invite you to see God's hand reaching out to you. And I invite you to embrace him. God was alone and he did it for you and he did it for me. And because of that, we will never be alone.